friends, my name is Jonathan Reeder and I am the community life pastor here at Friends Church in Orange. And we are so glad that you are checking out this message today. We hope that you find inspiration for your spiritual journey wherever you're at on that journey. We're just glad that you're here today. If you wanna find out ways to get connected here at Friends and be a part of our community, you can just check all that out on the website that you're on right now. Find out how you can be a part of what is happening here at Friends. We hope you enjoy this message and we hope that God blesses you through what you hear. I feel like we could make that a thing, like going through the Psalms with Jonathan. Uh, we're just glad you guys are here. As Janae said, my name is Jonathan, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and we've been going through Psalm 23. We started last week looking at, at Psalm 23 and this idea of a good shepherd. What does it mean to follow a good shepherd? Uh, and so today, in, on your seats, every one of you should have had one of these things or next to you, or maybe you got one last week. Uh, but I want to just start the time by reading the entirety of Psalm 23. It's not too long. So I know we're not in school, but we're going to read a little bit together. Uh, so if you guys would follow along, it's either on here. You can see it on the screens uh, as well. But we're going to start Psalm 23 and read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to unpack more. What does it look like to follow this good shepherd? And so we'll be getting into that. But before we do, I want to throw up a picture on the screen of a mountain. And I want to see if anyone can tell me what mountain this is. Any guesses? Okay, Everest. It's Everest. Is that, are you guys all mountaineers? You just know that? I was like, is it Kilimanjaro? Is it, I don't know. I, yeah, it's Mount Everest. And Mount Everest is one of the most treacherous mountains in the world to climb. There's these cliffs that drop thousands of feet. There's these like tiny narrow passageways to get up top. There are winds and storms that come out of nowhere and just can knock you right off of the mountain. Everest is incredibly scary. One of the things I've, I heard recently is that over 300 people have died attempting to climb Mount Everest. 300 people have died just trying to climb this mountain. And in all of history, only 10,000 people have ever succeeded in getting to the top. Many of them are actually repeats who have been there multiple times. And every person that succeeded to get to the top of Mount Everest, they didn't get there on their own. Because if you just try to go climb Mount Everest, you're not going to make it on your own. You need something. You need a guide. You need a guide to get you to the top of the mountain. And that's where the Sherpas come in. So there's a group of people called the Sherpas who live in the Himalayas, and their bodies have acclimated to the altitude to the point that they can climb the mountain. They're the ones that can go ahead. They just have literally superhuman strength in some ways that others just don't. And they're the kind of people that people hire to get them up to the top of the mountain. The role of the Sherpa is to go ahead, is to pack supplies, uh, to set up camp, and to really help you get to the top of the mountain no matter what the cost. They will make sure that you get there because if they don't get you to the top of the mountain, they have failed in their job. Their whole goal, gotta get these people to the top of the mountain. And the more that the guide climbs the mountain, you can imagine the better the guide gets at knowing the right paths and the weather and when it's right and when it's wrong and where to stop and when to go and all of that. And I wanna show you a picture of a man named Kami. This is Kami Rita Sherpa. He just broke his own record for climbing Mount Everest for the 26th time. That's crazy. 
I don't want to climb Mount Everest once. This guy's done it 26 times and he's still going. He wants to go again. And if I was ever to climb Everest, which I said, I'm never going to do, but if I wanted to, do you know who I'd want on the mountain with me? I want this guy. <laughs> I don't want some other person that's like, oh, it's my first time on the job, you know, like, but I'm excited to get you up there. I'd be like, yeah, heck no. We're not doing this today. I need Kami. Where's Kami? I need him. And it reminded me, I just did a wedding last night and it, you know, like at a wedding, you don't want the pastor, like the officiant to like mess up, right? You want to know that he knows what he's doing. And so I get this question every single wedding I'm at. So if you ask this question at a wedding, just fair warning as a pastor, like just stop asking this. I get the, hey, do you do this often? And I'm like, I don't know if that's like an insult or if it's just like, you look young, like, I, I don't know. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've done this a few times, you know? It's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, I can do this. But you know, you want your fishing at a wedding, you want them to know what they're doing, right? If you're up on a mountain, Mount Everest, you want to know that the guide's actually gonna get you to where you're going. And so I've never actually climbed Mount Everest, I have no intention to, but I've lived, you know, some life. And I would say in my life, I feel like there are times and moments when I'm, I'm climbing Mount Everest. I'm like, I'm trying to get somewhere and I just, I'm, I'm seeing the cliffs, I'm seeing the, the weather, I'm seeing all the craziness and I need a guide. I need a guide to help me get to where I think I need to get and to go. And I think we all kind of get there. We start out well, we think we know what we're doing, uh, but we find ourselves lost, we're in the dark, we can't see, we need a guide. And so today, as we look at Psalm 23, we're gonna be reading about the perfect guide, our good shepherd, Jesus. And the role of the shepherd is to lead, it's to guide, it's to protect, it's to take the, sh the sheep to the green valleys and the pastures and the streams. And we want, we want life, let's pick up the picture on the screen here. We want life to look like this. We want life to look like this green valley. Oh my gosh, how beautiful is that? I wanna live there. And if I follow a shepherd who says he's good, I'm assuming he's gonna lead me right there because that's, that's good. I don't want a shepherd that's gonna lead me over here because this looks bad. Good? Bad. I even took the color out of this picture to make it look worse. This is a bad picture. This is a good picture. We know the difference, right? I want to live in that green valley, but the problem is, I'm just going to assume for most of you, because it's true for myself, we are not living here. We're not living in the green. We're not living in the, shep in the valley, or in the, um, in the, there's the green, uh, the green pastures. And I think today we found that, that life is dark, Life is scary. Life is complicated. Life doesn't feel like everything's great. Life is hard. And if we just read the newspaper, we'll find that out. If we turn on the news, we look at our apps. Every time I open up my app, I'm looking for good news. You know what I'm finding? Less good news. I'm like, okay, it's got to be here somewhere. So then I'll go to like sports, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to look for my favorite sports team. Nope, they're not even doing well. Like nothing's going well right now <laughs> in my life. Fear is such a prevalent reality in our world. And in fact, the world monetizes fear. Did you know that? That the more fear you have, the more the world is gonna like capitalize on that. They're gonna, they're gonna make money off of you. They're gonna be like, oh, you're afraid of this? Great, well, we have, a, we have a solution. Oh, you have more fear here? Hey, you should buy our newspaper and you'll find out more about how you can actually you know, stay engaged in the world. We have fear all over the place, from fear of failure to fear of enemies, foreign and domestic, fear of the opposite political party or different religion or people who look different than us, people who act different than us. We are made to fear. We have fear of imminent danger. We have fear of disease. I mean, we just came through, where are we? You know, COVID, like we have so much fear in our lives and the world around us just says, yes, keep stoking that fear. Just keep it going. 
Because eventually you're gonna find the solution and you're gonna, you're gonna make it through to the other side. But I have found that I can't. I can't handle the fear. I can't handle the, the darkness that's in my life on my own. I feel like I need a guide to get me through the fear, a guide who knows the way and can help us find those quiet waters and those green pastures that we so desperately have been promised, we feel like. But what I love about Psalm 23 is that the good shepherd, he hasn't promised us only green pastures. He's not just a shepherd for the good times. He's also a shepherd for the bad times, the hard times, the dark valleys, the places that we're in right now. He's that kind of shepherd. And in Psalm 23, verses four and five, we see the shepherd is with us. I'm gonna read that. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. David uses his imagery that sounds so personal to him. And it is because he's a shepherd. David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And he says, this is what the good shepherd looks like even in the darkest times. He's experienced these green pastures and he's also experienced the darkest valleys. And I love in this, David gives us really two images that I wanna camp on today. He gives us the image of the darkest valley and he gives us the image of a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. And we're gonna look at both of those, but we're gonna start in the dark valley. Great place to start. For some of us, the darkest valley, we know this as the valley of the shadow of death. If you've memorized Psalm 23 or grew up around church, you might know the valley of the shadow of death. This is the type of valley you don't, you don't wanna get stuck in. It's the valley where the cliffs are so sheer and so high and closing in so much where the stench of death is in the air where you literally do not think that you are gonna make it out alive. Where predators and bandits, they lie in wait, they're ready to steal, they're ready to kill, they're ready to destroy you. You can't see the light of day. Death is literally on your doorstep. This is the valley of the shadow of death. And for some of you today, that is a very real place that you're in. Death is literally right here. And you know it, and you feel it, and you don't know what to do about it. For some of you, it's maybe the external things are looking fine, but internally you are dying inside. There's darkness inside of you. There are valleys and pits there are things you just can't over. There's anxiety, there's fear, there's depression, stuff that you just, you can't overcome on your own and you are walking very literally in the valley of the shadow of death there as well. In some way, we're all facing the shadow of death, the darkest valley. And I know that because I face it in my own life every single day in many different ways. And I also know it because I have the privilege to get to sit with a lot of you and talk about your stories, talk about what God is doing or not doing in your life, the battles that you guys are facing. And it seems like life with the good shepherd, it should be good, right? Because he's called good, but, but yet life seems to be anything other than good at times. But the thing about following the shepherd is that if we're gonna follow him towards the good things, we have to also trust that we can follow him in the bad things. Because it doesn't work to just be like, I, I'm, as long as things are working out great, I'm with the shepherd. As long as, like, but if we go off track or it's like, I think the shepherd got lost. I don't know where we are. Where is the shepherd? He's gone. Once that happens, we don't feel like we can follow him anymore. And yet the invitation today is to trust the good shepherd even in the midst of the darkest valleys that you are in. But sometimes we begin to look at Jesus and say, why have you led me here? Because if I'm supposed to be in the green pastures, you, I'm in a dark valley. How did we get here when I thought we were supposed to be here? And the thing about valleys 
is that they always connect from one spot to another. Valleys come to an end. Valleys always go from one thing to another. They run between mountains. And I think about this, that if you're stuck in a valley right now, the perspective is this is all that is there. But that's just not true. If you guys have ever, you guys ever looked at maps before, map people, I'm a map person. I love just pulling out a good old map. I love Google Earth. They have like this 3D thing where you can like look at the earth and you can like rotate it around and you can go dive deep. So when I look at it in 2D, everything just looks flat. I'm like, okay, I can go from here to here, no problem, easy. But as soon as you put it into 3D, all of a sudden you see the mountains pop up, you see the valleys going deep and you realize that in order to get from point A to point B, you're gonna have to go through some valleys. That it's not possible to live in 2D all the time, to think everything's flat, everything's just like this. That's not life, that's not reality. And if I was here telling you that today, you should boot me off the stage because that's not true. That's not life. And yet we have to go through valleys in order to get to other sides. It's like a train. Think about a train. If you've ever ridden a train somewhere and you come to a mountain with a train, sometimes trains will kind of wrap around the mountain and go up and then back down. But typically, what do you do when they come to a mountain? There's just a tunnel right through that mountain. And so you're on that train, and as soon as you get into the tunnel, you begin to think, when is this tunnel going to be over? This is a really long tunnel. Have you guys ever been in some of those tunnels where you're just like, I'm literally in the middle of a mountain right now? That's freaky. Corey Ten Boom has this great quote about trains and tunnels. I love it. It illustrates what we're saying here. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still, and you trust the engineer. I love that. You don't throw away the ticket and jump off the train. You stay on the train because you know the train's going somewhere because you trust the engineer is going to take you where you need to go. It's the same thing with our shepherd. Why can we have hope that our shepherd is with us? Because David tells us in the very next part, he says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, he says this, I will fear no evil for you, the shepherd, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know if you guys know this, but sheep are just naturally fearful. They're like afraid of everything. They're afraid of their shadows. They're afraid of like, if like a cloud goes over the sun, like they'll be like, ah, rah, and they freak out all the time. They're afraid of one another. They're afraid of like, what's out there? Oh, there's a bee. Like they're, they're always just like restless because they're just, they're afraid. Does that sound like any other kind of creatures that we know? It sounds like me. I'm the kind of person that's like, oh my gosh, like this, oh my gosh, there's a thing. And I tell you, as soon as I open up the news or as soon as I'm talking to someone about what's happening in the world, I freak out. I'm like, this world is crazy. There's everything to be afraid of. And yet the good shepherd says, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. But when you feel fear, what do you typically do with your fear? There's usually two ways where you call it fight or flight, right? I'm gonna change those words. I'm gonna say we either control or we hide. Control means I'm afraid of this situation, so I'm just going to bring clarity. I'm going to bring direction. I'm going to bring solutions so that I don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm going to find my way and figure out my way to get through this thing. I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to control it. Or on the other side, I'm just going to hide. It's so much easier if I just go back and take another nap. The world doesn't go away, but I kind of feel like it does. You guys ever been there? And both of these, control and hiding, are not going to get us to the valley of peace. They're not going to bring us peace. In fact, the more we try to control, the more things are going to feel out of control. The more we hide, the more we're just going to find more things to hide from. We're going to continue to spin in these directions. 
What if instead of trying to control or trying to hide, we use fear as an invitation? Fear is an invitation to trust the good shepherd and to say, my natural instinct, Jesus, is that I want to control this or I want to hide from this. But what if we were to say, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to trust. I, I don't know what to do, but I know I have a good shepherd who knows what to do in this situation. It's an invitation to seek the voice of the shepherd and to seek the presence of the shepherd because we see that his voice, the shepherd's voice, it brings peace. That when we can hear the shepherd's voice, we can have peace. It's like I was at the park the other day with my kids and there's a bunch of other kids running around and I was like talking with another dad and we're just hanging out and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's time to go. And so I say their names. I just yell their names because I see them like way across the way and I just yell their names and immediately, my boys, they know my voice. Do they listen to my voice? No. But they know my voice. Isn't that like us? If we hear the voice of the shepherd, we can choose to listen to it. We can choose to ignore it. But the more familiar we get with it, the more we're going to want to listen to him. Think about the people in your life. Maybe it's parents. Maybe it's good friends. People that if they called you right now or if they just said your name, you would immediately go, I feel known, I feel seen, I know that it's gonna be okay. That's what the shepherd's voice brings, it brings peace. And it's not just his voice that brings peace though, his presence brings us protection. His physical presence with us. I love what David says about the presence of the shepherd. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. And he's referencing two tools that a shepherd would use in those days. One was the rod. The rod was kind of a club about this big. And he would use it to wield, uh, to, to fend off any kind of animals or any other bandits or anyone that was trying to attack the sheep. He would literally use it to beat them off. It was like a club. Every once in a while, he could use it to kind of prod the sheep as well. But mostly it was for the external. It was for the enemies that were out there, the enemies all around. But then he talks about the staff. Okay, we've got the rod, we've got the club, but then we've got the staff. And that's kind of what you guys think of the shepherd. He's like walking on a shepherd's thing. And on the end, there's this hook. And the hook of that staff, you may be wondering, why, why do they have that hook? The hook was actually to hook the sheep, to kind of grab them and to pull them back to safety. And sometimes that was gentle, just like, hey, get over here. Oh, hey, come on, go over here. Sometimes I had to be harsh. Get off of that cliff. Get over here. Don't be stupid. And that's what sometimes a shepherd uses for us as well. Just stop it. I'm saying this for your own good. Don't you know? But his rod and his staff, they comfort us because they bring us protection. Protection from the outside world and protection from our own worlds. The worlds that we want to create for ourselves. And we can find comfort in a strong and sometimes even forceful direction. Because he's good. He's our protector. So his voice, it brings peace. His presence, it brings protection from the outside world and from ourselves. But when we find ourselves in the darkest valley, can we trust? Can we rely on his presence? I know for myself, when I find myself in the darkest spaces, it is the hardest to trust the shepherd. This happened just a couple years ago with the beginning of COVID. I remember one night I was, I was laying up and like all this stuff was happening and it's like, I can't get toilet paper. And it's like, oh my gosh, like what's happening in the world? And, and all of a sudden, I had a panic attack. I hadn't had a panic attack in years. And I just literally, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Is my family going to be okay? What if, what if I get sick and die? 
What if my wife gets sick? What if my kids get sick and die? What, what if we don't have food? What if the world goes crazy? What if we go into civil war? Like literally all these thoughts just spinning out of control and there was no way for me to calm myself down. I couldn't do it. But then I remembered a moment back when I was in junior high and I, I had my first panic attack because I was in junior high. And I remember my parents, as I was having that panic attack, they knew what to do. They were like, you're gonna be okay. We're right here with you. And their voice, their presence, it was powerful, but even more powerful than that, my parents led me to the good shepherd. And they taught me scripture and they said, the good shepherd is with you. Even in the worst times, you're gonna be okay. And one of the verses that they taught me was Philippians 4, 6, and 7, a verse that is still one of my favorite verses to this day. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. It's not, a, it's not a pragmatic peace. It's not a peace that's like, oh yeah, everything is working out, so now I have peace. It's a peace that makes no sense. And yet we are promised that we can have this peace. And I wish there was like a great analogy to kind of think about what does it look like to have peace in the midst of craziness? Um, I'm just kidding. It's, it's right in Psalms 23, you guys. There's a great analogy. The very next thing that he says, he's talking about the dark valley. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We're not just walk, talking about walking through a dark valley anymore. We're actually talking about sitting in a dark valley, kicking our feet up, eating a meal with our good shepherd. That's what we're being invited into. In the darkest, hardest times of your life, we are being invited to take it easy. That's crazy. There's no way we could actually do that. We're called in the middle of a battle raging around us when we're completely surrounded, enemies on all sides, no light at the end of the tunnel. We are called to kick our feet up and enjoy a meal with Jesus. That's radical. That's crazy to me. And I think for a lot of us, we can't believe that because we're like, how, how, how do we even do that? There's no way. But I think I'm going back to Philippians. It's the peace that transcends all understanding. David has become so reliant on the voice of his shepherd and the presence of his shepherd that he can actually stop in the middle of the darkest valley and he can't take it easy. That's what I love about David. Again, he's not just writing this hyperbolically. He's saying, this is what I've tried to learn to do. This is what I can do. And it makes me think of Peter, right? The apostle Peter. Remember when he was called to walk out on the water? He's in the boat and Jesus is coming to him and Jesus is like, Peter, come out to me. And Peter's like, okay, well, if Jesus says so. And the only way that he was able to go out to Jesus was by keeping his eyes on him. And he walks out looking at Jesus the whole time. But all of a sudden, he sees the waves. He sees the wind. He feels the pressure. He feels the spray. And, and instead of looking at Jesus, he starts looking at his surroundings. And all of a sudden, he begins to sink into the water. But even then, Jesus is there to grab him and to pull him back up. He says, I'm still with you. Even though you stopped looking at me for a second, Peter, it's okay, I'm still with you. And I think some of us need to hear this today that, that you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Maybe you've just stopped listening because life's too hard. There's just stuff. It's like Jesus wouldn't understand this. 
or Jesus has abandoned me. He's not even a part of this anymore. But when we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we begin to, to live life in the valley thinking we can do it on our own, there's still a table that's there because we can't just get ourselves out of our valley. So we still have to eat. We still have to sustain ourselves. We can sit at the table, but Jesus isn't sitting there anymore because you haven't let him. You're like, I don't know, Jesus. I don't think you need to be here with me. And now the enemies that were all around the table that were circling, they're not just circling the table. They're sitting at the table with you. And they're just kind of sitting there just like, hmm. Yeah, this is hard, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's any way you can make it through this, honestly. There's probably not. <laughs> it's probably not going to work for you. Man, you're right. You know, can you believe that those people, that they're treating you like that? Yeah, if it was me, I would just, I'd get back at them. I'd take, I'd take my revenge. Man, no, if I were you, I don't know if I'd stick it out. There's other ways you could go. There's, there's ways that you could just work your way around this, maybe take control. Or you're not good enough to deserve anything better. Like, this is actually what you deserve being in this valley. You brought this on yourself. Or just, life is darkness, man. Get used to it. This is just life. Or this is one that, that particularly speaks to me. You have to figure it out on your own. You don't have anyone else who's going to figure it out for you. You ought to. You should know better. And if you could just think your way out to a better solution, then you're going to be okay. And when I hear those voices, I have to ask myself, is that the good shepherd? Or is that somebody else? Is that the good shepherd or someone else? And how do we know? Well, we know because the good shepherd, his voice, it brings peace. The shepherd's voice brings peace. And if you're feeling anything other than peace, if you're hearing anything other than peace to the voices that are speaking into your life, I'm not quite sure that that's Jesus talking. The shepherd's voice, it brings peace. And David, he's in teaching us this incredibly hard yet radically transformational principle that the only way to find peace in the darkest valleys of your life is to stand still and to let the shepherd speak to you. You can't find or fight your way out of the darkest valleys that you're in. You're gonna try. You're gonna try to control or you might just try to be like, if I just hide, it'll just go away. Neither of those are gonna get you where you need to go to the green pasture of peace. I love uh, this idea of Moses and the Israelites at the Red Sea. I was thinking about this. So the Israelites, they left Egypt. They were going out and they get to the Red Sea and now the Egyptians are coming behind them to take them out. The Red Sea is in front of them. There's literally nowhere to go. They are trapped at the Red Sea and the people begin to grumble. They're like, why did you lead us out here to die? It would have been better. We should have stayed in Egypt. Like, why did we come here? And in Exodus 14, 13, Moses answers the people. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. We are called to stand firm in the darkest valleys. We are called to stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. But when he doesn't deliver us right away, does that mean we just throw the ticket away and get off the train? Or can we trust and say, okay, okay, good shepherd, I'm gonna trust and like I said earlier, this is radical. Being a sheep, it takes radical dependence. It's not easy dependence, it's radical dependence. And so as we close today, I just want to give you three practical ways to cultivate radical dependence in your life. If this is resonating with you, if you're like, I want to somehow learn how to trust a shepherd, here's three ways to cultivate radical dependence. First is familiarize yourself with the shepherd's voice. Because if you don't know his voice, you won't know when he's speaking, you won't know it's someone else. 
I love this passage. We read it last week, but John 10, 27 says, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I want to be a sheep who knows the shepherd's voice. John 10, 10, just a few verses earlier, he says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The good shepherd, he wants to speak to you. He wants to fill you with life. And one of the best ways to know the shepherd's voice is through his word. He's given us the Bible. It's right there for you to read. And if you're not reading the Bible, but you're like, I want to know the shepherd's voice, it's a really easy start. Where right now we're going through the Bible in one year. It's so simple. There's an app. You just download it. Bible in one year. They'll even read it to you. You don't even have to read it yourself if you don't want to. But it's an opportunity to hear from the shepherd. And the more that that inundates into your mind and your soul, the more you begin to trust and to know what the shepherd's voice sounds like so you can discern. I read a while back about uh, counterfeit money. Like how do you train people to spot counterfeit money? And the best way to train for spotting counterfeit money is not by studying all the different counterfeits. It's by studying the original. If you know what the real thing is supposed to look like, feel like, smell like, I don't know if you smell money, whatever you do with it. If you know what that's supposed to be, then anything that's not matching that, you're going to know, it doesn't quite sit right. I think there's something off here. It's the same thing with knowing your shepherd's voice. The more that you get to know his voice, the more he's going to speak to you. And one of the best ways to do that is to memorize scripture. So that's why we gave you these bookmarks. These are for you to keep. So take one if you don't have one. Put it on your mirror, put it in your car, wherever you need to go. Because this is one of those chapters, one of those verses in my life that has led me through some of the darkest seasons of my life, knowing that I have a good shepherd. So, okay, familiarize yourself with the shepherd's voice. Second, you need to look back in order to look forward. Meaning you have to look at where God has shown up so that you can know where he might show up again. This is one of the best ways to do this is through journaling. Uh, I'm, I hate like manually writing my, my fingers. Like I just get cramped. I'm like, I can't do this very well. But every time I do, it's an opportunity for me to say, okay, God, I've got to remember what just happened. I often I'll write down, God, I don't think you're with me right now. I'll get real honest. God, you are gone. I can't even pray right now. I don't know what to do. It's way too dark. And yet a year later, I can look back at my journal and I can see those, those words of darkness and despair. And then I can see just little glimmers of light. Wow, God, you showed up today again. Wow, God, you reminded me of something. Oh my gosh, God, you provided for me in the ways that I didn't even know that you were going to. If we're able to look back, then we can have courage to look forward to say, if he did it back then, I know he can do it again. So you can remind yourself by looking back, say so you can look forward. And then lastly, don't isolate, engage. Some of you are here today and you're isolated You're on your own. You're trying to do this on your own in some way. We have opportunities. Come hang out with us and connect with friends. Meet us in the back. Turn around and talk to someone right behind you today before you leave. One of the things that we also offer is prayer after every single service over here. And those people are there to love on you, to listen to you, to care for you. And if you find yourself today needing some sort of engagement, you need community, you need people around you, take the opportunity. I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Don't get isolated, but be engaged. Lastly, back to the Sherpa thing, we need guides. We don't just need a bunch of different guides, we actually need the best guide. And the best guide for this journey of life is the good shepherd, Jesus. And so today as we close, he's telling you that he's with you even in the darkest valley. And I know that might be hard to believe and I know that's gonna take faith, but it takes radical dependence to just try, to just see if he might show up even in the darkness, to trust that he's actually prepared a table for you. This is our shepherd. 
And so as we close today, I'm actually going to invite Tori and the band to come back up. And I've shared a little bit about my, my own story. And we shared also about Tori's story and how um, God has taken her to, to a new place and he's doing some amazing things. And it feels like she's in this like beautiful green valley and everything's wonderful. Uh, but it's not been easy either, getting you where you need to go. So Tori, why don't you just tell us what's going on with you and uh, lead us into worship. I said this last service, but this is such a really full full circle moment because so much has happened on this stage. For me, the Lord has worked through a lot of things, and this is just like such an honor to be up here talking to you guys. Um, But probably like 10 months ago um, in summer, I was in probably the most unhealthy season of my life. I literally was like running, could not catch up. I could not do enough. I was so exhausted all the time. And um, I thought that I was finally going to get a break after I went to camp. And um, come to find it, we're at the last night of camp, and we're singing this song that um, Friends Worship actually wrote, and it's called Overflow. And the bridge talks about just trading it all just for a moment to be with Jesus. And I was on my knees, and I was like, pouring out my guts and I was like Jesus I trade it all like I give you everything like I trade it all for you um and then not (laughs) like literally not 24 hours later um I went through a really gnarly breakup and this person that I've been dating for years um this person that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with this person that I thought would never leave me he left And I was so angry. I was so angry at Jesus because I was like, I take it back. I don't want to trade it all. I don't want to do that. That's like unfair of you. And little did I know that it was, has begun like the most sweet season of intimacy with Jesus because I did not know that I had this like picture of him as a God who is in heaven, who is so holy and worthy to be praised, but he was so uninterested in my life. And it wasn't until I was in the like darkest depths of pain, of heartbreak and rejection that literally like tapped into childhood fears and wounds that I realized that I needed Jesus. I like just needed Jesus. And this season of pain, it illuminates my need for a father. And it wasn't until I literally was on the ground and I was just like literally on the ground in my living room and I could not get up because I didn't have any energy and I couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, Jesus, I can't. And he's like, that's okay. I can because I've done this before. I can fight for you. And so this next song is called, This is How I Fight My Battles. And literally Jonathan has said it multiple times this morning, but Jesus literally declares in scripture that he will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of our darkness when we're face down on the ground and we can't move. And I know that in this room, we are not strangers to heartbreak, to isolation, to rejection. It's not just a breakup, but it could be the death of a loved one. It could be just being like, I can't do it anymore. And so I just want to invite you into that invite you in to letting Jesus meet you in your pain because that's how we fight we fight by surrendering we fight by letting him father us and so this morning Jesus um, I just pray for like a bravery to like be built up within each of our hearts Jesus I pray that you would let faith arise that you would encounter each and every one of us in the midst of our darkness Jesus, we need you.